Oh, hello, creeps. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there... They come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. I'm running away from myself, I guess. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These hunted devils. They'll eat what chance. And they've noticed that little girl. Wow. Hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. Where are we going? There's a place. I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come play with us forever and ever. He said I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. Hello everybody, this is Josh and Ryan here with you today recording another episode of the Unrestricted Movie Podcast. Hello, How's hello, I'm Ryan. How's it going? What up, man? Hey, so we just reviewed The Shining. Right. And uh, we gave it a pretty good review. Yeah, I mean, one of our long—it's probably our longest podcast to date. I gave it the first perfect score. That's right. Of this podcast. So we got a five golden idol, golden idol review from Ryan, and a four and a half golden idol review from myself. So I mean, you have to—you have to watch the movie if you haven't. Yeah, we're continuing our spooky season by reviewing the witch film, Doctor Sleep, the Doctor sequel. Sleep. How many years later, Ryan? You prepared to do math? Oh shit! I, I about forty years later, almost, because the, the Shining was filmed in nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty to two thousand and when did Doctor Sleep come out? Do we Nin- not have this was information it on hand? Nineteen eighteen, <laughs> two thousand nineteen. Okay, so almost. 
Why didn't they just wait an extra year and do it on the 40 year anniversary? 39 year difference. Yeah, so, so we're going to talk about Doctor Sleep today. And uh, it's going to be fun. So buckle up, guys. Yeah. Should we get into first overall impressions of the film? Overall impressions of the film were, I thought it was a fun movie. To me, it was like a popcorn movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like a summer flick? A summer blockbuster-y kind of movie. I really, I have a hard time thinking of this movie as a sequel to mm-hmm. The Shining because the tone mm-hmm. of the movies, the, the, these two films are so different. Mm-hmm. It almost does not feel like a sequel to me. Did you get that feeling? I think when you have decades between two films, one that's supposed to follow another, with decades in between, I think the the potential that you're supposed to live up to is impossible. Mm, For sure. It's impossible. Especially when you have a director like Stanley Kubrick. And let me just say that the director of this film, Mike Flanagan, he is one of my favorite current directors... Right. But to live up to the legacy of Stanley Kubrick and the film that he made with The Shining, it's impossible. Right. Now, I have to say, I did enjoy the movie. Absolutely. But you know, if you didn't already listen to the previous podcast, we did go on a little bit of a rant about leaving classic films alone. Yeah. So I have to say, you know, this is filed under that category a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although, like I said, I did enjoy the movie. It was a fun film to watch. Right. And it's a film that's been satired, has been parodied numerous times, as we mentioned, by The Simpsons. Right. The Shining, the original film, By Ready Player One. Um, You know, it's a film that's been referenced numerous times. It's it's in the zeitgeist. Mm Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think there's this great expectation, which is just impossible to live up to, but which I believe Mike Flanagan did a very substantial effort and amazing job at, at doing with, with Dr. Sleep. Right. I think all the actors involved in this production, all the the director of photography and the director himself involved, the writer, just amazing. Mm-hmm. This film lived up to expectations of what I was wanting for a continuation of this story. Mm-hmm. Should we get into the film? Sure, that's fine, right? Let's go let's go right into it. Okay, so so the first scene of this film, we have uh, this nomadic tribe mm-hmm. called the True Knot, right? Mm-hmm. They're the they're this basic group of uh, gypsies that, that feed off the steam of children with a shining ability. Did this scene remind you of the Lost World? <laughs> Not the Lost World, Jurassic Park Three. Huh. Okay, because in The Lost World, there's this scene at the beginning where a girl is is eaten alive by a bunch of Little tiny dinos. dinosaurs mm-hmm. on an island. Yeah, I'm pr- I thought for sure that was Jurassic Park 3 and not The Lost World. Maybe, uh, you guys, we're like a few drinks. Like, if you didn't know, we're a few drinks in, so maybe I'm wrong. Okay, let's make a bet right now. If it's the Lost World where that scene happens with the, the little girl being uh-huh. eaten alive on the island. Um, oh, damn. I'm like 100% sure it's number three, right? I think you're going to lose this. Okay. Well, if I'm right, um, let's see. You have to... Um, 
say that you have an affinity for Gilmore Girls. Oh, damn it. Okay. No, 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 no. Let's say I just had to you... say something embarrassing. Oh, Gilmore Girls is all right. Let's see. No, it's, have... not. no it's not, Ryan. No, it's not. <laughs> you have to say you have an affinity for Dawson's Creek on Facebook. On if Facebook? I'm, if I'm right. Oh, shit. <laughs> if you're right okay. and it's Jurassic Park 3, what do I have to do? I don't know, man. Why don't we just keep it the bet the same for both of us? Okay. Okay. Like, okay. make it even. Either of us. I'm pretty sure you're losing this one. I'm saying. Either right of now. us has to express our affinity for Dawson's Creek on Facebook if we're wrong. <laughs> okay, we will come back to this later. Okay, but yeah, I mean, this scene really reminded Dawson, me of of, of Dawson's uh, what Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. I've never seen that show. Who's in that show? Uh. Uh, 90s actress Katie Holmes Katie Holmes okay I'm okay with Katie Holmes <laughs> alright sorry continue Jurassic Park okay so the back girl being eaten alive by the little dinosaurs on the beach right I mean it's just very reminiscent of that scene uh huh um we're introduced to Rose the Hat which is Rose the villain the, hat. the villain of this movie yes um Rebecca Ferguson a great actress I like I have been so yeah fucking infatuated with this actress since Mission Impossible and since um, uh, he, the Hugh Jackman musical. The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. She is great Does she sing? That movie. Does she sing her okay. part for that movie? So it's interesting. Because that's like... She yeah, stuff, did man. sing her parts for that movie, but the producers cut her recordings out and replace replace them by an, another recording artist. But if you listen to the original recordings, I believe they're available. She... She's a great singer. Those sons of bitches. Yeah. How dare they? I mean, she's a great actress, a great singer. Cool. Great all around. Yes. Great in this movie as the villain of this movie. Yeah, she, she does a really good job carrying parts of the movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, um, so after they uh, still the essence, the, the, the steam of this child, uh, we're introduced to little Danny Torrance again. Well, not so little anymore, Ryan. Well... Oh wait! But at the beginning, at the beginning, he's still little. In the 1980s. And they recast all the roles for this yes. film. Yes. What do you think of the recasting of Danny and Wendy Torrance? I thought they were both really good recast. In fact, all of the recastings in this movie, save for maybe one that we find out at the end, uh, I thought were really well done. Yeah. If you guys want to see a great movie by the actress who plays Wendy Torrance in this movie, check out the movie Starry Eyes. Hmm. It's just a great horror film about an actress trying to make it in Hollywood. Okay. Um, Look it up. This actress does a great job portraying Wendy in this film. Mm -hmm. I mean... Albeit I, for a very short amount of time, but you're right. right. Very convincing. Right. And so we're uh, introduced to Danny and his mother. Um, Danny is still communicating with um, Dick Halloran. Who we know becomes a force ghost, right? He died in the original Shining, and like you said, becomes Obi Wan Kenobi. He's Obi Wan Kenobi in this <laughs> film, which is weird because Obi Wan Kenobi is playing Danny Torrance in this film. Whoa, <laughs> so trippy. Um, anyway, so Danny learns how to lock ghosts away into little boxes mm -hmm. in this movie. And it's kind of a form of, if you know psychology, it's a form of compartmentalization, yes, right? like a mental block. Right. Um, so uh, later on in the film, Rose um, 
and um, what's what's her partner's name? Crow. Uh, Crow. Is right. that right? Rose and Crow Daddy. Oh yeah, Crow go, Daddy. Go to the movie theater, and they're hunting for for a new <clears throat> a new uh, member of and the they group. Get, they get the snake. Yes, they're able to turn snake bite. Andy is her name. Mm -hmm. uh, she has the ability to hypnotize people. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm thinking in the movie. I'm thinking like this is some messed up version of like the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> they're like gathering yeah. these, you know, people with supernatural powers. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, this it's is like it's like Storm and Cyclops recruiting right. for the the X Men Academy. But th this is where I'm like. Oh, this has this does not feel like the sequel mm -hmm. to The Shining, right? You know what I mean. This, this feels like a science fictiony kind of supernatural. It's a very, movie, but it's not like a thrill. Like I don't know, it just doesn't match to me. So, so we talked about in the last episode of how ambiguous. Stanley Kubrick made the supernatural elements of mm -hmm. The Shining, whereas in oh. this movie, it's very straightforward. Yeah, I think that is, that's, you hit the nail on the head right there, Ryan, yeah. because they're very literal and just in your face this whole movie. Yeah. The supernatural elements in this movie exist. The ghostly elements exist. The Shining is a real thing. And um, these vampires are sucking energy out of people. Mm -hmm. um, so Rose is able to turn Snake by Andy. Um, then we see, then we jump to 2011. Okay. We, we get to see a grown up Dan now, you know, formerly Danny, now Dan, who's played by Ewan McGregor. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Star Wars Jesus. Star Wars Jesus. Okay. You don't know about this? I've seen the picture. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. Yeah, so yes, I do know. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi looks like Jesus. He does look a lot like Jesus. Well, in some people's version of Jesus. <laughs> Probably, you know, we're not going to go there. Anyway, so... <laughs> not the real version of Jesus. If right. there was a real... Uh, whatever. Just moving on. So Dan, played by Ewan McGregor, has now become himself an alcoholic. Yes, following the footsteps of his father, Crazy Jack. Yeah. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Just needs that Jack Daniels. The uh, drink of choice. The cycle of, uh, of alcohol abuse is just crazy. And, and realistic, I believe. Um, so he's an alcoholic. He gets a new AA sponsor in a new town that he moves to. Uh, the AA sponsor and friend is named Billy. Mm -hmm. Played by a great actor. Who um, we see in many other films. Fear um, of the Walking Dead, right? Fear of the Walking Dead. That's the he, one where I recognized him. So this actor, Cliff Curtis, he is Maori, right? He's from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. and, but in so many films, he's, they basically make him play any brown person, right? Like they, <laughs> they make him play Middle Eastern. Oh, gosh. Or, you know, Hispanic. Anyways, so, um, okay, so Danny gets a new place to live and a new job at a hospice, right? Mm -hmm. And the patients there give him the nickname Dr. Sleep. Why is that, Ryan? Well, he's able to use his shining ability to communicate with apparitions and help them receive comfort to mm -hmm. move on. And cats. He's friends with the cat... Who goes and sits on people, and the cat sits on you, you know that you're a goner. Right. 
<laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure the cat is the real star of this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's his name, damn it? Um, Mr. Tibbles? Mr. Tibbles, the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the Let's name of the cat. Get him I'm on sorry. the pod. Um, so, and then we're also introduced to a young Abra Stone, who is a young girl who's able to communicate with Danny telepathically. Mm-hmm. Right. On the chalkboard of his new residence. Right, right. Um, and then we see eight years pass in the movie. So quite a long time has passed in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, we're now in the year 2019. The true knots, the, the nomadic group at this point, they're losing steam. They're losing their energy. So they Literally have to... and figuratively, <laughs> they're losing steam. They go out to get more steam and they confront this little boy in the baseball uniform walking down the highway. Little boy played by Jacob Tremblay, a great actor of Who, our generation. Okay, who's Jacob Tremblay? Okay. What is am this I the here? only film you've seen him, seen him in? I don't know. What other films okay. has he been in? Like, he was a good actor in this film, right? Like, I've never... He was barely in the movie. I don't... But did... What do you think of his portrayal? He did a group... He did a really good job at acting like he was being tortured. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Okay, so I think this is one of the actors to, like, like he was nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of... In the Room? In the Room. Oh, okay, I've heard with, of that with, movie. With Brie Hudson. Okay. okay. Brie Hudson. He, you mean Brie Larson? Brie Larson. Brie Larson, thank you. You got it, buddy. <laughs> and he was also in the movie, a rated R movie called Good Boys, which I thought was hilarious. It's a um, rated R comedy... About eleven-year-olds who, who just do—they're up to hijinks and do a bunch of stupid shit and do some stupid okay. shit. Okay. Anyways, great actor to look for. Anyway, so um, they kidnap this boy and they, like you say, they torture him. They stab him. They they suck his soul, his essence, his steam from his body. And this is the one of the most grueling scenes of the movie where they are torturing. This is a long scene. I mean, it's pretty bad. It goes yeah, on it's bad. and on. They are torturing this boy. You see as they stab him, they you see blood splatter on his face. Mm. Yeah, it's nerve-wracking because his his pain is their like food. It's their energy. It's what they live off of is people's pain. Yeah. And suffering. Um yeah, so we get this long torture scene. Uh, Dan ends up warning Abra to stay away from Rose. And then later on in the movie, we get a great astral projection scene where Rose astral projects her mind into into Abra's mind. And Abra kicks her ass. Abra does like, kick her ass. <laughs> really good, man. Abra basically flays her hand. Woo! By trapping her. So good. He said you'd come back. And you did. Good. Get back! Get back! You're just a fucking child! What do you think of like like what do you think of all these astral projection scenes, all these these ghostly apparition scenes? What do you think of these in the movie? I mean, and and kind of relating to your supernatural beliefs from before. Oh, you know what? There is a certain amount of supernaturalism in Mormon belief. Mm. I mean, 
we believe in spirits and the devil, evil spirits, good spirits. I mean, I, I've heard dozens of stories of people seeing people who've passed on and things yeah. like this. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, as far as, like, this, just the film in general, I thought special effects, really well done. But I, I don't, I, I'm not sure how to connect this to my former religious experiences. I mean, what are you thinking, Ryan? Do you have any familial or personal encounters of <clears throat> the afterlife? Of the afterlife? Yeah. No. Okay. I do not. Do you, Ryan? <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, Ooh, this is great. This is great for So holiday. I'm definitely Sorry. not, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting anyone on blast. And I'm not discounting anyone's experiences. But I have family that have claimed to see ancestors and family members that have passed on in apparitional form. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether so it, I've heard similar things from people. Whether it be yeah. at the foot of their bed or, you know, d during the at, nighttime when, when dreams are, are happening. I've heard of... I don't really know who this person is. Mm -hmm. I've heard people who've said that they've seen things at church. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Or in the temple. Right. I'm not gonna. I don't want to talk about the temple. Can we please not talk about the temple? We don't have to. But talk like, about them. yeah. I mean, it's 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 for what people want you to think is a mainstream church. Mm -hmm. People have some crazy stories. Right. And we're not. Again, we're not discounting them as untrue. We we. Like, me personally, I believe that a person experiences what they experience. And for them, the truth may be whatever they experience. Their, their lived reality, right? Right. I mean, there are facts that happen outside of their reality, but their, their lived experiences are their own. And whatever happens within that, whether it be supernatural or not, is their truth. Since we are in the midst of our Halloween episodes and talking about supernatural experiences in our own lives, um, let me just say that I have had ominous moments in my life that I felt at the time were supernatural, mm -hmm. but after the fact I have analyzed more logically and found to be less supernatural than I thought at the time. Okay, and so, I mean, uh, one instance, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw what many people see when they wake up from a nightmare, which is the, the tall man with the hat. Oh shit. Okay. It scared the shit out of me. There's a tall, shadowy man with a hat. Not a woman with a hat? And red eyes. It's, it's Sorry. you know, just a shadowy figure. Okay. I was just... He, she, they. You know, the person, the, the bad guy in this movie, she wears a hat. Right. Sorry. With red eyes. Continue. Sorry. Staring at me. I, mm. I now link that to just, you know, just a, a dream. Just, just me being in a dream state. But at the time, it was a very ominous, almost vision, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was in that religious type of thinking also, there was a time when a bird flew into our apartment door and died, I believe that to be an omen. This was at a time when we were questioning the church, and I believe that to be an omen that we should stop 
doubting and just believe. Wow. I mean, that's intense stuff, Ryan. And obviously, you know, coincidences happen. Supernatural elements can be tied to, you know, our own mental state. And, and I really don't want to discount anybody's vision or whatever, but I guess. But. but <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. In my own experiences, I know that a lot of supernatural thinking that I experiences that I experienced as a religious thinker, which was just through magical thinking mm -hmm. and not through lo logic. So I, I have a question to ask you, right? So I distinctly remember growing up in our younger years, you mentioned something about a bleeding wall in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Is this? Am I remembering this right? I remember something yeah. about a bleeding wall. Yeah. Well, can you? <laughs> what happened with the bleeding wall? <laughs> okay. Let me just say that <laughs> a parent's ability to kind of guide their child into a certain belief is extraordinary. And my mom has always had a very magical, supernatural belief in the afterlife and in supernatural, ghostly apparitions. Okay. When we were moving from one of our previous rented houses, um, we were painting up the walls. And I have this very vivid memory, whether it be painted by another person or whether it be actual, of us putting stucco over this spot and red appearing through the paint and the stucco. In other words, the wall bleeding. We even put duct, duct tape over the, the part and, 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 and painted over it and the red still bled through. So for me, that memory as a 10 year old, I guess, I don't know how old I was, is that that wall was bleeding. But can I, can I just say, that story, when I, you told me that story, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I'm just saying, because I totally, I totally bought that shit. But you know, right. in religion, you're, you're, you're taught to suspend belief, certain yeah. regular belief. Yeah. And it, you're just open to believing, I, I mean, just about anything, honestly. Yeah. And it gets to a point where you're told to kind of suspend belief in actual facts or actual science, just whatever is actually happening, to the point where you create your own narrative. Like a superstition. And so there's been a lot of narratives that were created in my childhood that kind of shaped the person I was and the person I became. And those narratives were created out of superstition. Right. But you know, I mean, <sighs> excuse me. Um, if you do a little research into the origins of Mormonism, uh, the supernatural and the occult and the mystical worldview uh, were very prominent uh, aspects of the founder of Mormonism's life, Joseph Smith. Yeah. But, um, Go do some research on it. I'm not gonna go into super detail, but I, I will. I don't know. I think just, just a little background. Yeah. I, um, as a child of 
11, 12 years old, I um, was moved with my family to Independence, Missouri based on a uh, superstition, based on a vision that my parents had of the necessity to move our family to Missouri to build the kingdom of God on earth. What's supposed to be in Missouri, Ryan? Well, the, the, the temple where Jesus is supposed to appear for the second coming. Yeah. And the, the former Garden of Eden is supposed to be the in Missouri. The former Garden of Eden known as Andiondiamen, which we Adam did visit. We did, did visit. It looked like shit. Explain. Because <laughs> I've never been there. I don't, even, I don't think I've even seen pictures of it. All right. So, oh my God. We're just going down the rabbit hole, you guys. Sorry. I'm really sorry. So as a child, when we were moving to Missouri based on a uh, romantic, religious superstition, we visited this place that Joseph Smith claimed to be the Garden of Eden called, which he called, and I ought and I... What, what, was, what was it called? I Adam on Dionne. Adam on Which Dionne. is supposed to be like... A, Adam on the mountain. Right? Adamic language, like right. the language of angels. The language of Adam. Adamic language. Bullshit. <laughs> Anyways, when we visited it, it was like midwinter and all the trees were dead and it looked like shit. <laughs> Anyways, so... I, I guess my point is that I really am not trying to to discount anybody's religious or spiritual experiences. I really but am you not. Know, Ryan, it's hard when you can see from a different perspective now. Yeah. It's hard to not say things that feel demeaning to or to towards other people. Right. You know, because people people literally believe in all of these things that we've just been talking about. They yeah. think that these are literal, actual things. And when you are in the religion, and you've been brought up with it your whole life, it just seems normal. Yeah, it does. It seems very, very normal. It does. It's normalized to a point where you just accept, and you're you're told to just go along with whatever your uh, authority figures tell you to go along with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this astral projection scene... Which we're talking about. Ooh, oh, yeah, we're talking about a movie. Yes. <laughs> I, I loved, I, I absolutely loved this scene. I loved the part where she's seen flying through the air. Mm-hmm. It was so reminiscent of, you know, like the first Superman movie. I was thinking like the Wicked Witch a it little bit. It was so good. It was so well made. Yeah. Um, where she just lands gracefully... You know, in in um, in uh, Abra's. Abra. Yes, <laughs> I forgot Abra. her name for a little bit. In Abra's uh, room, but yeah, then her hand is flayed. She's trapped there, and she's propelled back to her body, and she realizes that she's messing with a very powerful supernatural person. Being. Yeah, even perhaps more powerful than Danny himself. At, at this moment, I'm like, bitch, just stay away from her. Yeah, like... Like, what? But she... Nope. She has to keep going after her, but I'm like, dude. Like, Abra's Abra's a god. Abra's a god. Seriously, man. So, Rose, um, after being sent back to her her own body, she sends members of 
her clan to go kidnap Abra. Um, Dan, at this point, and Billy lure some of the Chunot members to the campground where they shoot them. Oh, we totally missed the part where they go and, like, discover um, the baseball boy's body. Yes. And to recover his baseball mitt, which helps them, helps to lead them to the group. Yes. But. That's right. Because that, that scene was pretty. <laughs> it's our first podcast sneeze. That. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that scene was pretty um, unnerving, how they uncover the body and they're like yeah. throwing up because it's disgusting. And yeah. they can obviously they can see this poor tortured body of this boy. Very traumatic. Um, so yeah, they, they then lure the, the true not true not members uh, to the campground where they shoot them. Um, Andy at this point, hypnotizes Billy, snake bite Andy. She hypnotizes Billy, oh, and he ends up shooting himself. himself in the freaking head, man. Yeah, I was I, I was really happy when they were just picking off these yeah. mofo's though. That was great. But I mean, she dies shortly after. She's dying when she's right. Yeah, she's in the act of dying. But as dying. all this is going on, Crow Daddy is able to escape, and he kidnaps Abra. He kills her dad, which is kind of yeah. a, kind of kind sucks. Of a, that's a downer. Yeah. Uh, Dan, though, however, when uh, Crow Daddy is uh, taking Abra in, in the vehicle, uh, Dan is able to possess Abra and forces Crow Daddy to crash the fucking car. And he shoots out the window and dies. <laughs> Crow Daddy dies. Uh, Rose, at this point, is fucking pissed, and she <laughs> vows revenge on all those who killed yes. her family members. And so all of, basically the entire first three quarters of the movie is leading up to this penultimate scene mm-hmm. in the Overlook Hotel. Which basically, yes. I, which you're waiting, you're just waiting for the whole movie mm-hmm. to get to this part. Because now, okay, now we feel like this is a true mm-hmm. sequel and continuation to The Shining. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. We're back at the Overlook. The 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 scene which brings us brings us back to The Shining. Um Dan tries to trap Rose inside of a box but is un- unable to do so. Almost. Like this close. very close. Yeah, almost there. And so what he does is he releases all the other ghosts from their boxes. Mm-hmm. And they come out. Okay, but before before we get to that, okay. So there's this recreation of the typewriter scene. Yes. Okay. okay because this is this like nailed it for me. Like I love this part of the movie. So um, Danny is backing up up the stairs, and Rose is following him up the stairs in this recreation of the scene that we talked about in the last episode that was our favorite scene of The Shining Mm -hmm. when Jack backs the mother up the stairs Wendy Wendy up the stairs and you know she hits him smacks him down anyway the the, the, seeing the stairs again and this like slow panning and like it was wonderful I love that scene seriously handsome where have you been hiding I can make you an offer. 
an offer I rarely make. Oh, yeah? I can't wait. Such a gifted boy, hiding his light under a bushel for so long. You could live a long, long time, live well, too. Indulge yourself. No consequences. No hangovers. Eat well. Live long. You must be lonely, being the last one. I mean, the last one in the world. Sweetie, I'm not the last. Far from it. I'm just the prettiest. I assume you know my answer. Pity. So are we doing this or not? I mean, they, they picked the same locations. I, it was just great. The The actor that they picked to play Jack Torrance in this movie, <laughs> do you know who the actor is? I have okay. no clue. So you've seen E.T. Mm-hmm. The, the little boy who plays Elliot in oh, E.T. Oh, is that him? <laughs> is it really? That's him. Well, um, so this was, my, this was my very favorite part of the movie. So we talked about the the stair scene, the staircase scene, mm-hmm. but then him sitting at the bar, uh-huh. like getting this cool like flashback of The Shining, right? And then of course having the bartender basically be his right. deceased father. A man tries, he provides, but he's surrounded by mouths and a family, a wife, a kid. Those mouths eat time. They eat your days on Earth. They just gobble them up. It's enough to make a man sick. And this is the medicine. So tell me, Bub. Are you gonna take your medicine? I'm not. So Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in E.T. E.T. Von Home. <laughs> oh, we had to get a voice. There's the voice. There There's the voice. Damn it. Oh, fuck you. I don't know who you're saying to fuck you, but you know what? They probably, all whatever. The, all the listeners. All, wow. Fuck you to everybody. <laughs> trying to cover the mic. I'm really sorry. If you're listening, if you're listening to us, I'm really, really sorry. So, Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in E.T., plays Jack Torrance in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Thomas is also um, he also portrays a, a number of characters in other Mike Flanagan films. So, oh, okay. Um, if you watch the the Hill House series on Netflix, mm-hmm. he plays the dad. I haven't seen the Hill House. I've seen Bly Manor. Uh, which was good. I really liked that show. Anyway. Uh, great actor. I think he played Jack Torrance perfectly. I mean, not not perfectly. I mean, he played Jack Torrance really well. I think the point, I think the point, what they were going for was a portrayal of Jack, but not an impersonation. Yeah. Because as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, not, they didn't even get the voice right. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but at the same time, I don't think the, what what they go for is that the same way in The Shining, how Grady doesn't understand, like he doesn't know what he did. It's the same thing. He's totally ignorant to anything, right. but you're still getting the feeling that you know he's talking to his dad. Right. Exactly. So in this movie, Danny is offered a drink by the bartender, which is played by Henry Thomas. He looks like. Uh, 
Jack Torrance. And Rose, at this point, arrives at the Overlook. And Dan, like we said, fails to trap her in a box. So he releases all the other ghosts, which overpower and kill her. They, like, stick their hands underneath her skin and stuff? Yeah. They, I mean, that was They great. fucking destroy her. Which, I mean... She deserved it. Let's just be clear about that. She, she deserved it. She deserved it. She was an evil bitch. Yes. And um, the girl... Um, has a strong influence over Dan, so he tells Abra to escape. Mm -hmm. And um, Dan, at this point, he goes into the boiler room and he burns down the overlook. There you are, Abra. You've been very, very bad. You're not Uncle Dan. You're a mask, a false face. You're the hotel, but he's still in there. Masks off then. Why are you smiling? Because you don't know where you're standing. You're as tall as like my own face, John. I mean the body you're standing in, the face you're wearing. That's Dan Torrance, and you don't know him. Dan Torrance. Made one stop as soon as he got here. To the boiler room. We see the hotel just burn to the ground. And then he becomes a force ghost himself. He becomes a force ghost. Uh, just like in Star Wars. Yeah. I think you and McGregor you and McGregor is on this path to just repeat <laughs> becoming a force ghost. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so let's see what his next movie series is going to be, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be a Force Ghost. Well, he's doing the Obi Wan series for Disney. Okay, Plus. so he's a he's a Force he's Ghost. Re he's reprising his role as Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Um, in fact, later in this movie, after he dies, he later appears to Abra as a Force Ghost. And kind of comforts her, saying, "You know what? I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't don't worry about me. You know, your your dad's dead. And I'm I'm sorry, your dad's dad is dead, but you got your mom still, and uh, you'll and, be okay. And Uncle Danny, you got you got Uncle Danny here, and I'm an alcoholic ghost, and I'm okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in that way, it's a happy ending. How the hell did we just take forty minutes for a three hour movie? I don't know." But we did it, you guys. We did it. We uh, reviewed Doctor Sleep, and after the end of all of our reviews, we like to give a reviewer score. So why don't we go ahead and uh, score this movie, Josh? Okay. Um, I did not like it as much as The Shining. I have to say, it's not as good of a movie. You can't really... I mean, you gave it a perfect score, so... Um, I'm just going to give it a pretty solid three Golden Idols. Okay. Enjoyable, entertaining, but just not the same level as The Shining. Not a classic film, you know, to me by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not something that, you know, is going to stick with me forever. Like, basically, you know, like what The Shining did for me. So, yeah. Solid three. Okay. Three out of five. Um, I'm going to be close to your score. I gave The Shining a perfect score. Five out of five. Um, Dr. Sleep had 
a lot to live up to. And if there's any director that could live up to Stanley Kubrick's vision for this movie, it's Mike Flanagan. And Mike Flanagan, I believe, did an amazing job with this movie. And so I'm not going to go as low as the threes. I'm going to give this film a four out of five. Nice. I get it. That's a good um, score. Mike Flanagan, I am a huge fan of his and i don't believe you are familiar enough with his work and i want to i want you to become familiar with his work so i want you do we to... have anything of his on the list is he only a tv guy or does he direct films okay so film wise he has directed oculus have you seen oculus nope okay that is one that i love that we would I'm assuming that's a horror film. It's a horror film that okay. I would love to talk about. Cool. Another one is Gerald's Game, which is based on a Stephen King story. Gerald's Game is on Netflix. Um, I would recommend that one. Um, awesome. Ouija, the the origin of evil. <laughs> I've heard of that movie. And Did you like that movie, Ryan? I like that movie a lot. And the movie Hush. Which stars his wife, which is an amazing actress, actually. Who is that? Um, The actress is named um, Kate Siegel. Kate Siegel is amazing in the movie. She plays a deaf person, alone, trapped alone in a house with an intruder. Kate Hepburn-ish? Kind of. Do you know that movie? I've I've heard of it. uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's a classic. It's really good. Okay. Um, has um, Alan Arkin in it. Okay, okay. I can't remember the name of the movie. I think I know. But what the you're premise about. is is similar. Um, so, I re- we're kind of wrapping things up. Sure. Um, final question to kind of wrap things up Let's and have a quick, and have a quick discussion. Let's do it. Okay. So we know, of course, Doctor Sleep is a a sequel. Yes. To The Shining. Right. So my question to you is: best sequel that you can think of, just like best sequel. Best sequel I can think of. Wow. That, I know. It's a, it's a lot to think about, mm. Ryan. Should have uh, gave you time to think about mm. it before, but I'm just bringing it on you, putting you on the spot. Best sequel that you can think I'm of. I'm going to think about it and talk through it. So, um, 2000s. Should I start in the 90s or 2000s? I think sequels... I think best sequels really started in the in the two thousands because oh I can think of a few sequels that were not in the two thousands really um okay I mean why don't you go first how about okay that? I'll go first Empire Strikes Back okay okay sequel yeah most people's favorite Star Wars film yeah not my I mean I have one that I like a little more which really one? like Return of the Jedi mm. I know that's my you know, that's probably not a popular so choice. On so your, on your list, you would put Return of the Jedi above Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's oh just, my god! Listeners, that's just, <laughs> please massacre this man. I'm sorry. That's like <laughs> 12-year-old me. That sure. was my favorite of the Star Wars movies. Okay, so I have to okay. hold on to that. Okay, um, aside from that, I Rocky 2. Mm. Rocky 2. Pro- maybe better than Rocky One, so I really like that as a sequel. That would okay. go on my list of all time, all time favorite sequels. So Apollo wins in a in Rocky One and loses in a in Rocky yes. Two. Okay, Rocky wins. 
in Rocky Two. In Rocky Two, yeah. Right. And then after Rocky Two, it's like all kind of downhill from there. But you know, <laughs> we're good. Rocky Four is probably my favorite. Rocky. Is Rocky Four your favorite? I love Rocky. Rocky Four, four is my favorite. I, I I really enjoy it. It's not my. I can't say that's my favorite Rocky, but I mean, Ivan Drago. Yeah, it's good stuff. Even man. with the robot and everything, the ro- if you could just, if they could just like take the robot out, <laughs> God. Okay, so okay. do you have do you have another sequel to add to favorite Empire Strikes Back and sequel. Rocky Two? Let's get to the favorite sequel. It's Shit, Transformers um, Two, right? No, it's no? not. It's not Transformers. I wish it was. <laughs> um, shit. I mean, there's so many good sequels. Um. Okay. You can do it. Think of one more for us, right? Do you know what? I'm going to go with it. Spider-Man 2. Ooh, Spider-Man okay. 2. Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 2? Tobey Maguire, Doc Ock. That was one... That I'm sorry. That is the best Spider-Man movie. Of all time. Of all time. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time. Top it, Tobey... Uh, what's your name? <laughs> Not not Tobey Maguire. What are you talking What's about? What's your fucking name? Andrew the, Garfield? The, the new Spider-Man. What's Tom Holland. Top it, Tom Holland, motherfucker. <laughs> well, we're supposed to be getting it. We're supposed to be getting Tobey Maguire in the next one, right? Yeah. So we're supposed to get it. And Doc Ock is supposed to Hell yeah. appeared in the trailer. So you're like super stoked for this movie. <sighs> Spider-Man 2 has fucking <laughs> everything. Are you kidding me? Spider-Man 3 was fucking garbage, but Spider-Man 2 was cinema. Guys, let's go back. Ryan, do you want some more bourbon? Let's go back. <laughs> let's go back. Back let's go in back time to our, mind, to our mind palaces to 2000 whatever, to, to Spider-Man 2. Where Early Doc 2000s. Doc Ock is opposing Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And Tobey Maguire is literally embodying... The the hero he represents. You know, he's not dancing in the streets like a fucking moron. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, this, so did you appreciate Dog Ock? I like, love this fucking best, movie. But you know what, though? If I had to rate villains, like Spider-Man villains portrayed on yeah. screen, I have to go with Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Sure. He was I great. Mean, Doc Ock is great, but he doesn't top... Green Goblin for me. Alfred Molina will eat your lunch and fuck your grandma. You know, like okay. <laughs> I mean, that's I don't know what any of that means, but Alfred oh, Molina God. fucking rocks as Doc Ock. I love this movie, guys. Please re-see, re-watch Spider-Man Two. If anything you do this weekend, whatever you do, whether whether it be you know feeding the homeless or or you know, cleaning the oceans. Just watch, rewatch Spider-Man Two. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we can't promote any non-rated R movies on this podcast, though. Okay, that's not rated R. Okay, rewatch Spider-Man Two and Species with Alfred Molina. Both of them have Alfred Molina. Oh, he's in that movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you know, just become an Alfred Molina fan. Cool, and, man. And just stand him. And. This movie fucking rocks. Oh, he he totally makes the movie in Indiana Jones. You know. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I am fucking drunk on bourbon Shit. here. Um, did we score this movie? Yeah, we scored it. We're good. You gave it a four. I gave it a three. Okay. 
Um, so, I don't think we have anything else to do. Why don't you tune in to next week where we review another scary movie for have, October. Now, here's the thing. Have we decided on our next movie? Let's do this. Let's have Josh That's, that's kind of our tradition. Another movie for spooky October. All right. Do we? Do I have a, the list? I don't know. Do you? Do I have the list? I don't <laughs> know if I can find it right now, to be quite okay. honest with Let's you. Let's go to IMDb. Uh-huh. Let's go to the list I provided. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to get to it. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, I don't know. I'm go- Ryan's list. Booby? Yeah, I don't think that's it. Booby, booby. No, I don't know. I don't know how to get to it, Ryan. Booby, booby. Okay. Oh shit! What is going on? What is going on? Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Wow. I don't know if we're ever going to get to the end of this podcast episode, honestly. What? Okay. I mean, I can appreciate the music, you know? Oh I don't know how to access the list for some reason, and I'm really sorry. I apologize. Okay. Right. Ryan, I, I think, is going to get there. <laughs> but oh, I don't know, really. Okay. Do we got it? Um, genres. Horror. Horror. But where's the... But where's our... Where, where's our... Oh, I yeah. Would, okay, we got it. If okay. I were you, I would choose... We want a classic one, right? I would choose Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. But it's up to you. Okay, so... Honestly, that's kind of the direction I was going. Um, I want to do Nightmare on Elm Street. Fuck yeah! Let's go, man. Hell yeah! Go West from Raven, baby. Johnny to Freddy. All right. So tune in next week, listeners, where we'll be reviewing Nightmare on Elm Street by Wes Craven. Anyways. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, please. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. PSA. Don't record anything when you've been drinking bourbon. But I'm going to take the mic from you, Ryan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Somehow, I am the more sober one right now. And I just want to thank you for listening. And we will see you next time on the Unrestricted Podcast. See ya. See ya.